It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available for 2023 on any of these, Spotify, Apple, also Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast from. And it is a Wednesday morning, the middle of the working week already. It's arrived August the 9th. And coming up, we have our podcast series, Buying Perth Property, because Perth is still going pretty well at the moment. Yes, the property market has changed. If you can just keep one foot going in front of the other, you're probably not doing a bad job of keeping on top of things. And Matthew Hughes, the founder and managing director of Capital Property Advisory, is joining us there in Perth. And good morning, uh, Matthew. Welcome back to the Real Estate Breakfast. Thanks for having me back, Greg. It's all about Perth at the moment. It seems to be navigating its way through. And I just want to sort of go back to last week's rate pause because you would have been watching that very, very closely. Have you noticed any changes on the ground in Perth as a result of that or is it too early? Probably a bit too early to um, to comment on activity at, at actual properties and home opens. But what we've seen as a leading indicator is a pretty significant spike in inquiry. Uh, a lot from the East Coast, again, as we have been seeing, but also locally. I think there's some confidence out there that perhaps people feel we've reached a terminal rate. If not, we're probably very close. Um, and that was coupled with some news, obviously, from both Rewa and CoreLogic that our rate of growth in WA has been trending upwards. A lot of positive news and a lot of activity on the ground. Do you kind of get the sense that next month is spring, you know, things are starting to turn a little bit of a corner for you there in Perth? Look, I think the buyer activity will probably maintain at this level, if not kick up a little bit come spring. We're hoping that the stock levels will increase in spring. You can generally expect a bit of a seasonal uptick into spring from winter. The stock levels are still historically low. The market's very constrained and our job is quite difficult trying to find and secure properties. Now, talking of strange times, Matthew, what is happening with your Masogi? Uh, last time we spoke, we were talking about me trying to cram six weeks, of, oh, sorry, 12 weeks of training for an ultramarathon into six weeks after a back injury I sustained. In my attempt at 45 years old to try and do that, <laughs> I've re-injured my back. I thought I might be able to do it, but it's, it turns out I'm going to have to pull out of that race and I'll set a new challenge of doing the Bustleton Ironman in December. So that's a triathlon where I can sort of share the pain around my body a little bit through swimming, cycling and running. You know, you're not alone. Typical Aussie male. (laughs) You know, the old body, it does age. It's amazing. You know, 45, it's not 25. That's the thing that we've got to tell ourselves. We are more than just a real estate podcast. We cover a multitude of subjects, including property data, current buyer-seller sentiment, and the mood of the market. Follow each week all of the main talking points and know your property. Don't forget to subscribe. We have hundreds of episodes, all designed to help you better understand the constantly evolving and dynamically changing real estate property market. Well, the latest data indicates widespread concern among Australians about their personal financial situations. Hardly surprising, really, given the set of circumstances. The Westpac Melbourne Institute Consumer Sentiment dipped by 0.4 percentage points to 81, remaining in a deeply pessimistic state. And the responses to the August survey showed no improvement 
after the Reserve Bank's decision to pause with sentiment declining by 4.9%. And the ANZ's Consumer Confidence Survey also decreased with the confidence index dropping by 3.4 points to 75. And mortgage holders appear to be anticipating further rate rises with over two-thirds of those surveyed expecting rates to increase over the next 12 months. And household spending data from the Bureau of Statistics reveals a slow retail spending trend with spending on discretionary goods and services declining due to the cost of living pressures, which may or may not bode well for the RBA to keep pausing next month for September. We will wait and see. Birthday calls, they wait for nobody. You might be celebrating today for August the 9th. If you are, happy birthday. You share it with Gillian Anderson. She's turning 54. Local boy Eric Banner is turning 54. Anna Kendrick, the actor, is turning 37. Melanie Griffith. Now, many people won't know who Melanie Griffith is, but if you know who Don Johnson is, you will. She is turning 65 today. And Whitney Houston, hard to believe she would have been 60 years old today, but she passed away back in 2012. It's the main center forecast. And around the country, let's check on the all-important weather word. First, we go to Sydney. Sunshine, good news. 20 degrees is your forecast top. In Melbourne, should be a mostly fine day with 18. Look at this. Fine weather continuing in Brisbane. That's the place to be. Good morning if you were in Brisbane this morning. 23 is your forecast high. And a clean slate. Perth also expecting a mainly fine day and your high 18. Navigate the world of real estate like a pro with expert insights, opinions and trends to up your game and knowledge when buying your next property. And it is a Wednesday morning. We are back with Matthew Hughes, who's got a little bit of a sore back, the founding managing director of Capital Property Advisory there in Perth. And Matthew, as a qualified property investment advisor, I'll get your opinion on this. What's the fundamental difference between focusing on yield and then focusing on capital growth when it comes to property investment? Yeah, that's sort of the age-old question. And I guess uh, we're in a little bit of a unicorn-type scenario in Perth at the moment where you don't have to choose because we're getting great potential for capital growth and very good yields. I think we're number one or two in the country at the moment in terms of yields. Focusing on yield is more about generating a strong, steady income from your investment to cover most, if not all, of your costs in terms of holding the asset. And then on the other hand, focusing on capital growth is more about acquiring an asset that you feel will outperform the market from a capital appreciation perspective over time. So which strategy is best for you is 100% client dependent. And that's the reason we spend quite a lot of time in our briefing sessions, figuring out as much as we can about a client's personal financial circumstances, their appetite for risk, their desired outcomes, and the timeframes in which they want to achieve those outcomes. So the, the answer to the question lies in the client, and we can talk more about that. Those briefing meetings are just so incredibly important. Some people kind of skim over those. 
and they really do cost you down the tracks. So for the beginner investor, let me ask you, is there one strategy, because we know that there's lots of different strategies, but is there one strategy that's generally more suitable than others? Look, again, it is client dependent, but assuming for a beginner investor, um, assuming they're quite young, which isn't always the case, but most of them are, uh, and we deal with a lot of investors in their 20s who are coming in and trying to get this started and and are looking to build a multiple property portfolio, then first we're sitting down and either talking to their broker about this or gathering the information from them about their income and their financial commitments and their spending patterns, what their job security is like, uh, and what are their short to medium term plans. So asking questions like, are you starting a family soon? Because obviously, Obviously, kids add cost and can impact serviceability. Are you buying an expensive car or a jet ski or anything silly like that? All of these things need to be understood. So we're putting the client into a a position that they can sustain um, and they can hold their property long term. Um, So once we understand the client, then we can provide some advice on the type of property that would best suit their needs. Obviously, someone who's on a lower income, especially if they're planning to build out a a larger portfolio over time, they'll need to be a little bit more yield focused to avoid running into serviceability issues on future potential acquisitions, which we see a lot in WA, a young FIFO worker earning 150, 200 grand with good spending habits. They can certainly sacrifice some yield to shift their focus to more to capital growth. And that's something that we do quite a lot of. We deal with a lot of clients like that. And most of our clients are growth focused. Yeah. So you you kind of become a little bit like an accountant in many ways. You just need to know exactly what they're spending. And how would you characterize the types of properties that an investor should target if they are focused on either higher yields or above market capital growth? Look, I think everyone understands nowadays the old adage that capital growth comes from land. So land in desirable locations where there's not a lot of potential for new supply will appreciate over time, uh, while the dwelling that sits on the land is what's going to depreciate. Obviously, there's exceptions to every rule, but in Perth, this is a a fairly true statement across the board. And it's a big reason why in the 10 years that I've been a buyer's agent, I've never purchased an apartment in WA for an investor. So the typical profile of a growth asset in WA is one where you're spending as much of your investment as possible on the land. So if an investor has $500,000 to spend, we want to be spending probably 60 to 80% of the total value or the property on the land value. And where you sit in that range depends on your personal yield sensitivity. So if you do have a lower income or higher spend, uh, personal spend and less disposable income, then you will require a higher rental return. And so then we're probably spending about 60% of your money on the land and the balance on the dwelling, which gives us enough money left over to, to get a dwelling that's going to get you a good tenant and a good yield. But if you have a higher income and you you might be spending sort of up to 70 or 80% of the the total value on the land itself, and that's going to accelerate the growth because you're getting more land as a percentage of the overall. And then factors that can alter this approach might be if you're planning on renovating or developing uh, the site in the short to medium term, and then we're probably pushing up even higher and trying to spend 90 to 100% of your overall investment on the land. So again, all client dependent, but that's a bit of a breakdown of how we look at it. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really a good breakdown exactly for the investor that might just be thinking, what shall I do? And if an investor is chasing higher than average yields, are there particular areas in WA that you would suggest that they take a little bit more of a closer look at? 
Yeah, there's certainly areas that perform better from a yield perspective. A lot of those areas are actually being targeted by East Coast investors at the moment. Conversely, we're not buying in a lot of them. Uh, and we've spoken why about why previously. So areas like Rockingham, local government area, for example, property values are mostly at or below the Perth median. Rental returns are very strong. You can pick up yields of sort of five and a half up to probably seven and a half percent. So very good yields at the moment. Um, but we've spoken previously about the downside risk of what happens to certain property types or certain areas in a soft market. And so a 7% yield can turn into three and a half pretty quickly if you make the wrong decision. There's also a large, very large percentage of renters in the area. So there's a very big tenant pool, but that's something that we look for the opposite of in terms of investment. Another option is to look at regional markets in WA. So these areas are not for the faint of heart. They carry a lot of great opportunity for investors if you know what you're doing, but they come with equal or greater levels of risk. Towns in our northwest, for example, up in the Pilbara, which is at the sort of the heart of the mining economy. Um, these towns are single economic driver towns, which is obviously the mining industry, and their fortunes rise and sink in line with that industry. So if you understand them, um, then you can get in and get out and make a, a good bit of money and a good yield along the way. But um, we don't buy there for our clients because I view it as too risky for other people's money. But having seen um, what these markets do over time, I've watched probably the last three cycles pretty closely. Uh, on the next cycle, when the time is right, I may actually invest up there personally. Uh, we may change our policy for clients up there at some point, um, but for right now, it probably doesn't suit the risk profile of, the mo of most of our clients. And just lastly, where should an investor who is chasing higher than average capital growth target their search? Yeah, so if you're looking for capital growth, I think we all know that you can invest into a blue chip suburb. So something that's either close to the CBD or close to the coast. And in suburbs generally that are older and more built out. So there's not a lot of scope for new supply to come to market. So if you've got a cap on supply or if you're landlocked and you're close to all the desirable elements that your target market wants, then you know you can get some good consistent capital growth over time. Um, but not everyone has the budget for that type of investment. So if your budget is more limited, like most investors, um, there's equal merit to investing into much cheaper emerging suburbs. Yields are generally better. And if you know what you're doing short term to, to medium term growth can be very good, but you have to choose your asset well and your location well. And that's probably the challenge for most investors. So if you're trying to identify a lower socioeconomic suburb that you feel will gentrify and grow in value, you need to have intimate knowledge of the local demand. So either be a local yourself or have a local buyer's agent, coupled with a high level understanding of the data and an ability to interpret that and combine all of that and attempt to predict the future. Look, we've done a pretty good job of this historically, but it, we've got a team of people doing this full time. I don't think too many investors have the time or the knowledge in some cases to actually do it. Uh, and that's probably one of the big reasons that buyers agencies growing in popularity so quickly in WA and around the country. All right. So there is a ton of takeaway there, particularly for the investor this morning. And if you're outside of Perth, you might want to get a move on because properties are certainly moving. Matthew, look after your back. Have yourself a great Wednesday and we'll talk soon. Thanks very much, Craig. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 